tell you about a guy called Pippin Ferreira. And nobody, I guess, has ever heard of Pippin Ferreira unless you were in the nine o'clock service. But see, Pippin Ferreira, he has a passion to go deep. See, most of us would go 10 or 20 feet and we would be quite pleased with that. The risk takers amongst us, okay, they might go 40 or 50 feet. Pippin Ferreira will go 531 feet. He's a legendary Cuban diver. So whereas you and I might dive under the water, okay, without scuba tanks, just, just himself, okay, whereas you and I might dive 10 or 20 feet, risk takers here might go 40 or 50 feet, this guy dives with no, you know, tanks or anything, 530 feet. And what he has to do in order to do that is he has to fill up his lungs with enough air that is like 8 litres of air, which is twice the normal capacity of the human lungs. And what he does is he fills himself up with that amount of air, then he gets strapped to a steel frame, and then he's lowered into the depths of the ocean, to the same level of depth that they used to test the pressure on World War II submarines. So who's up for that? You see, this guy is passionate about going deep. I want to suggest to you this morning that the verse that God has given us at the start of this year, Hosea 10 verse 12, if you and I and we and us lived out this verse for the rest of this year, our spiritual life would go to new depths. See, we can stay at 10 or 20 feet or we can be a bit risky and daring and go to 40 or 50 or we could fill our lungs with the Holy Spirit and strap ourselves to a verse like this and ask God to take us to new places of depth. And I'll tell you what, when we, or if we were to do that, we would achieve blessing and breakthrough like we've not imagined. And I really appreciate the feedback that you've been giving me on this verse and I think what it's brought up and it was awesome on Thursday night. I had worship practice with these guys and um, just at the end, just to stand in a circle and to pray and to listen to one of them after the other, praying into this verse and then prophesying into this verse and sharing a picture out of this verse was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You see, as a teacher, I don't want to show you how good a teacher I am. That's not what interests me as a teacher. What really interests me teaching the Word of God is when you listen to it and when you absorb it and when you begin to live it out. That's what is exciting about being a teacher. And I want to suggest that if we would live out this verse and the four virtues in this verse, if we were to sow and to reap and to break and to seek, God would take us to depths that we've never experienced. How many of you want to go deep? That's what we want to do. So, we're going to try and read this first together. If we put it up on the screen, thanks Merlin. At the nine o'clock, I switched it off. It was abysmal. Okay, so we're going to leave it up. I know you don't need it at the 11 o'clock. I know you don't need it. I know it's all in there. But just like, just because it's pretty, we'll just leave it there. Is that all right? So let's go. Here we go. Let's read it together. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Amen. And so we want to look at this last phrase. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes. The problem is, as I've looked at this, the whole thing of seeking God until he comes fills us and creates within us a word that we don't like. And it's the word Tension. Just take a look. But 
if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Those who know your name will trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's pray. Father, as we come and look at your word now, and God, as I pray that as we think about and handle this word tension, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will... So get a hold of the truth and the reality of this, that you'll help us to let this tension cause momentum in our spiritual lives. This isn't something to be afraid of or run away from or pretend doesn't exist. But Lord, if we could embrace this tension, if we could live in this tension, if we, Lord, through this could understand what it is to seek you, even with all these questions that we have, then God, I believe and I know that you would take us to new depths in our spiritual life. And Lord, we don't want to stay in the shallow end. We want to go deeper with you. So help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, we're looking this week at how deep. That's what I want to kind of look at the title uh, for today. Uh, But what does it mean to seek the Lord? That's what we're going to look at first. What does it mean to seek the Lord? There are a variety of different words in the Old Testament, which are in Hebrew, and the New Testament, which is mainly in Greek. And the words mean all kinds of things like to seek means to find, to require, to desire, to request. It means to uh, frequent a place. It means to tread a place. It means to understand something. It means to endeavor. It means to reach out or reach after something or someone. In the Bible, the phrase seeking the face of God, when you seek the face of anyone, it can mean two things. It can mean the front of your head, all right, your face. 
But it can also mean to enter into the presence of someone. So if I said I want to seek the face of Dan, all right, that could mean that I just want to enter into the presence of Dan, be transformed by his glory. Okay, that's what it could mean. That's what that, as well as looking at the front of his face, it could also mean just entering into his presence. So to seek God, you could say, is the sincere and persistent effort to reach out to God in order to enter and to know his presence in your life. So we want to consistently reach out to God in order to know his presence in our lives. And I think that there are two aspects of seeking God that are important. One is what I call a specific aspect. In other words, we're seeking God because we want God to answer or give something specific in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. I believe in that totally. But there's a broader aspect where seeking God is not so much about what we want God to do or to bring. But we're seeking God because He's God. And we want to just be in His presence. Now I believe in both of those things. The problem is, I think I believe in one more than I believe in the other. Do you know what I mean? Because as I look back through my journal and through my prayers, most of my prayers, if I'm honest, are more to do with the specific aspect of seeking God rather than the broader one. Does anyone agree with me? So it's about you know my job and my family and my needs and my friends and all this. And there's nothing wrong with that. But how much of our seeking after God until he comes is about that specific thing we want from God and how much of it is about because we want to enter the presence of God and we want to seek his face just because he's God. Just because he's God. And I um, tweeted last night, for those of you that follow me on Twitter and put something on Facebook, of, of a phrase that's really gripped me this week that I want to just bring to you this morning. This quote, feeling better has become more important to us than finding God. And I read that recently and I thought, you know what, that is so true. Feeling better has become more important to us in our culture than finding God. How many of you want to go deep with God this morning? How many of you this year want to go deeper than you've ever been in your Christian life? I know I do. It's not going to come when we stay in the 10 or the 20 feet. It's not even going to come as we take a few risks and go 40 or 50. It's going to come when we fill our lungs up with the Holy Spirit, when we strap ourselves to the framework of a word, a verse like this, and when we allow God to take us deep. That's what we want to do. So how do we manage the tension that this creates? And there are so many tensions, I think some of those questions, and there are a load more that we could have put up there. When you begin to seek God, when you begin to pray, when you begin to ask God for something, there's all these kind of questions like, how long, and is this my will or God's will? Anyone ever thought that? You know, is this what I want, or is this what God wants? How do I know? Why has my prayer not been answered in the way I expected it to be? How long, God, must I keep seeking you? And you know all the old preacher stories about this kind of stuff. And I couldn't think of any original ones, so I'll tell you one of the old ones that you've heard a million times. You know the old story about the little boy who's praying uh, with his mum and dad at night, and, and it's coming up to Christmas, and he says, Dear God, I really want a bike. Give me a bike for Christmas. And his mum and dad stopped and said, Johnny, or whatever his name was, you don't talk to God like that. God's not like that. You know, don't use God like uh, that kind of slot machine. That's not what God's like. He says, okay. Next morning, they went downstairs and there was like a nativity scene in front of the fireplace. And they noticed that Mary was missing. And in the place of Mary was a note that their son Johnny had written. And they picked the note up and it said this, Dear God, dear God, dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, you better give me a bike this Christmas. 
And there's that whole sense in which we think, oh, that little kid. I wonder how many of us actually seek God like that. God, if you really want me to honour you, if you really want me to serve you, then you better do this. And is it at that level that we seek God? And there's a tension that this creates. But if you have any kind of tension around this area of seeking God, then I want to suggest two things. Number one, that's normal and it means you're seeking God. And number two, you're in really good company. You are in really good company. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 13. This is an awesome psalm. It says this, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Anyone ever felt like that? God, I've been praying about this forever. (laughs) How long will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I've overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And the guy's being really honest and saying, God, I'm seeking you. And it's like you're silent and nothing's happening. How long is this going to go on forever? But then something changes in his seeking. Because in the next verse he says, But I trust in your unfailing love. In other words, whatever he's seeking God for, deliverance from his enemies or whatever, that's still like happening or not happening. But he says, But I'm not going to just seek for that. I'm going to seek you. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Amen. And there's that sense in which the seeking for something, he says, you know what, that's okay, but that's like the 10 to 20 to 30 feet experience, but I'm going to go deeper. And I'm going to seek you because of your unfailing love, because you've been good to me. And you know, you might say today, well, that's all very well, Leon, but... You know, actually, I've been praying for something, and I think God said no. Well, I want you to know, God has the right to say no. And if you've ever had a no from God, you are in really good company as well this morning. Because Moses prayed that he'd go into the promised land, and God said no. And um, often, the Israelites prayed that they would win in battle. And sometimes they did, and sometimes they didn't. And David prayed for his son to be spared and his son died. And Moses, Jonah, Job and Elijah all prayed that they would die and they didn't. And Habakkuk prayed that Israel would be delivered from Babylon and it wasn't. And Jeremiah prayed for the safety of Jerusalem and it was destroyed. And the disciples prayed that a town would be struck with fire and it wasn't. And Jesus prayed that the cup of suffering would be taken from him and God said no. So if you ever had a no when you've sought God and you want to get all miffy and all, do you know what I mean? And all kind of, well, I'm not going to talk to God anymore because he said no. You need to know you're in really good company. And people like this who have answers to their prayers which are no have a choice whether they're going to stay in the shallow end and get all bitter and twisted or whether they're going to fill their lungs up with the oxygen of the Holy Spirit, strap themselves to something deeper and let God take them there. You might say, Leon, the weather was awful this morning. I've come to church. I'm not a wimp. And this is pretty depressing. Because you said this is the year of blessing and breakthrough. And I believe that is true. When you seek God, you will be blessed. When you seek God and you live these things out, you will have breakthroughs in your life. But they may not be the specific answers to prayer that you're asking. 
They may not be that. You see, there are levels to seeking God and there are levels to prayer. And so level one is what you could call petition. It's the childlike one. It's asking God for things. And can I say, it's not childlike because that's what we do when we're kids. It's just the first level. We should always do that forever. We are God's kids. And Jesus says, and God says, come to me like kids. So if you don't ask God about your work and about your finances and about your relationships, you should do that. God wants you to do that. That's perfectly fine. But we don't stay at that level. We move on. We still do that. But as well, we go to level two. Level two, you could call meditation. The ancient mystics and spiritual leaders defined meditation as keeping company with God. I love that. It's like they don't just want to, you know, kind of ask God for things, but they want to keep company with God. They just want to be in his presence. A writer called Philip Yancey, who I love a lot, he's a brilliant writer. He said this, the main purpose of prayer is not to make life easier, nor to gain magical powers, but to know God. I need God more than anything I might get from God. That's great, isn't it? I need God more than anything I might get from God. Do you need God more than what you might get from God? Or is your seeking all about what you're going to get? Or actually, is it about the fact that you need God and you want to seek God because you need him? There is a third level. And this is the real depth level here, okay? If like level one, if you like, is the 10 to 20 feet in the water. If level two is let's be risk takers and and do that. Level three goes way down. That's the level called submission. That's what Jesus modeled in Gethsemane. When he said, Lord, I, you know, I want you to take this cup from me because I don't really want to do this. And, and God said, no. And, and Jesus said, well, not my will, Lord, but yours. You see, the submission level is all about when we say, instead of you rescuing me, God, I want to live to glorify your name. You see, the question, the kind of phrase that God has given me for this morning is this, that the question isn't really how or how long, but how deep. See, the question isn't how do we seek God. The question isn't how long do we seek God. The question is how deep do we want to go? How deep do we want to go in our relationship with God? But you know, it's not all bad news because some people in the Bible who sought God and who didn't get the answer to their prayer, they got a lot other stuff that they weren't expecting. One of them was called Jacob. You might remember the story of Jacob. He uh, was a bit of a deceiver. That's what his name meant. He fell out with his brother Esau. They were split up for ages. Then they're coming back together again. And um, just the night before he's meant to meet him, he's, he's asleep. And in the night, he wrestles with God. Okay? Basically, there's a kind of a, uh, experience where he's like wrestling with God all through the night. He's seeking God, if you like, through the wrestling. And what he's seeking is that he doesn't want to meet up with his offended brother Esau. That's what he wants God to do for him. But that doesn't happen. What happens in the morning is that when he, when he kind of finishes the wrestling, God changes his name and gives him a hip replacement. Basically puts out his hip, takes his hip out and, he's, and he walks with a limp the rest of his life. You see, the seeking of God doesn't always mean you get the answer to the prayer you're praying, but it always means you'll be changed. And for the rest of that man's life, He walked differently because he sought God at a new depth. And you might be praying and you might be seeking God for something in your life and the answer might be no or the answer might be not yet. It might be. But if you keep seeking God, you will always receive blessing and breakthrough in your life. It may not be the blessing and breakthrough you imagined or envisaged, but it will come from God. Another another character in the New Testament is Paul. I mean, surely every Paul 
uh, every Paul, every prayer Paul prayed got through, didn't it? I mean, every prayer must have had the answer yes, because Paul was like super apostle, superhero Paul. Everything he prayed, well, he writes this in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 12. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded, and that word pleaded means like literally begged and sought the face of the Lord. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So even Paul, who sought God for a specific answer to prayer, heard God say, no. But because you're seeking me, I'm going to show you something deeper. I'm going to show you something else. I'm going to strap you to a frame. You're going to fill your lungs with a a different kind of oxygen and you're going to go to new depths. You're going to experience the grace of God and that in your weakness, you can know that I am strong. So I've got great news for you this morning. When there, listen to this, please. I know there's a lot going on in and out this morning, but just concentrate with me for a minute because this is really good. Any delay or obstacle or barrier that is holding up uh, you, holding up the answer to your prayer, could be a signal that God is at work with something deeper in your life. Let me say that again. Any delay or barrier or obstacle when you're seeking God could be a signal that God is at work with something deeper in your life. We have a great example of a church, as a church of that, the third place, all right? We've been in this whole thing for like 430 years, haven't we? Do you know what I mean? And it's just not kind of happening at the moment in the way we want it to. But do you know what? Any delay or barrier or obstacle could be a signal that God is at work with something deeper. And I think he is. I think God's at work deeper in this community of faith than he has been for a long time. Many of us are going deeper in our relationship with God. And uh, us as a church, I think we're going deeper. Because that's what God does in the process of seeking him. That's what God does. The question isn't really how or how long, but how deep. And I want to read something to you this morning that really we don't like in our culture. This is ancient. This is a Franciscan benediction. All right. And you imagine if I gave a benediction this morning like this, many of you would not like it. It starts like this. May God bless you with discomfort. At easy answers, half-truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring injustice and kindness to all our children and especially to the poor. And in our modern instant culture, when we want communication now and we want answers to the prayers now and we want to buy what we want now from our phone so that we don't even have to move off the couch, when we want everything now, God says, do you know what? Now is not necessarily good for you. Because in the process of waiting, I am doing something deeper in your life and experience. 
How many of you are waiting for God to do something in your life? I know I am. Many of us. In the waiting, folks, God could be doing something deeper and more profound if we will let him and if we will embrace that. So what do we do with this tension? How do we play this virtue out in our life? How do we keep seeking after God? Let me give you four things and then we're going to worship. Firstly, we embrace it. We have to embrace the tension that God does answer prayer, but sometimes it isn't in the way or the timing that we want it to be. We have to embrace that tension. And so the, four, the three guys who were in the fiery furnace in the story of Daniel, and the king says, so where's your God now? And they say to him, well, you know what? Our God is able. He can save us. But if he does not, we're going to still seek him anyway. So that's embracing the tension. Our God is able and our God can do it. If you're praying for someone who's sick, our God is able. He can heal them. But if he does not, what are we going to do then? We're going to keep praying. We got feedback somewhere, Andrew. If you could find that, that would be wonderful. Just mute everything else other than me and we'll be great. Okay. No, okay. Secondly, we consistently check and review our motives and intentions. So important when we're seeking God that we keep reviewing and checking where are our motives and where are our intentions. You know, I'm always doing this with the third place. We as a leadership are always saying, you know, you know, God, you know, you test our hearts in this. What's this all about? You know, we want this to be about you and your kingdom and your glory and what we believe you've said to us. It's not about empire building or about having a big building. We constantly want needing to and wanting to review our motives. And there's a great story when uh, Elijah is on the top of Mount Carmel. And uh, you remember the story, you might remember it, where he sets up this like gunfight at the OK Corral showdown with the prophets of Baal. And he says, right, we'll take you all on and we'll see whose God is God. And so what he does is he gets the animal and they cut it into pieces and they put it on the fire. And then just to make it more difficult, he throws water on it. And then he says, right, and now the God who answers by fire, he is God. And I think he declared that in faith. Then he must have stepped back and thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? If God doesn't pitch up right now, I'm going to look like a chump. And not only that, but I'm going to lose my head. And you can see that that's what he's thinking because of what it says in the Bible. In 1 Kings 18, 36, he says, Oh Lord, so he's praying, okay. God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God and I am your servant. And I've done all these things at your command. You can hear it, can't you? He says, God, you're up there, but I'm the one down here. I'm the one that all these prophets of Baal are looking at me and sharpening their knives. And if you don't answer by fire, I am your servant down here. I am the one who's getting it in the neck. Then in the next verse, it changes really subtly. And he says, answer me, O Lord. And then something changes in his heart. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. See, something has changed in his heart there from... Answer me, God, so that I look good, to answer me, God, so that you look good. Because actually, this is not about me, Lord, it's about you. My prayer of the third place, answer me, Lord, not so that I as a leader look good, or so that you don't all stone me, but God, because we want to bring glory to you. I'm not important, but you are. And I'll be gone at some point, and so will all of you, but God You'll last forever. 
And your witness in this town and in this community needs to go on forever. And it needs to grow and it needs to increase. Because you're great God. You're an awesome God. So we're going to keep seeking you Lord. Not so that we look good. But so that God you are glorified. Amen. Third thing. We choose to become obsessed with the pursuit of God. Francis Chan who wrote this amazing book called Crazy Love, and I always want to call him Jackie Chan, but that's a whole different story. Crazy Love, written by Francis Chan, and some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. And uh, he defines obsession uh, in his book as to have the mind excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. Say if you've got OCD, that's what happens, isn't it? That you are excessively preoccupied with a single emotion or topic. And he says in the book, we need to get obsessed with the pursuit of God. So that we are totally obsessed by just pursuing God at all costs. You see, if you stop pursuing Christ, your relationship with him will deteriorate. You know that, don't you? It doesn't remain neutral. It goes back. It deteriorates. But only as we keep pressing into him, as we keep pursuing him, as we keep allowing him to go deeper, does our relationship with God grow. And the final thing I want to say is this. We embrace the tension. We check our motives. We obsessively pursue him and then we don't give up. Like never, ever, no, yet, nay, nine, none. We just do not stop ever pursuing God. And you know, I, I, I love some of the guys from history and I think, oh, give me that tenacity. William Wilberforce passed, tried to pass a bill all the way through his life for the abolition of slavery. Year after year after year, rejection, 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 rejection. On his deathbed, they signed it. There's a senator in America called Senator Prox Meyer who for 19 years gave over 3,000 speeches on the Senate floor about the same single issue about outlawing and making illegal, you know, unlawful genocide. And finally it was passed. Every day, almost, for 19 years, he just made the same speech until in the end it moved. The Bible talks about a woman who, who pleads her case with an unjust judge, so much so that in the end the judge says, for goodness sake, I'll do it, simply because she never gave up. And you know, if we never give up the pursuit of God... Here's the amazing thing. Seeking God and not giving up will increase our chances of seeing amazing breakthrough. But in the process, we will be getting blessed all the time as we seek God. Those people that say, my spiritual life is dull and dead and going nowhere, you ain't seeking God. But when we start pressing forward and seeking God, He will bless us. He will shower His righteousness on us. The answer may be no. The answer may be not yet. It may be different than what we're asking. But we will always, always be blessed. The question isn't really how or how long, but how deep? How deep do you want to go into God this morning? I want to ask the band to come back up. And as we conclude this series on this one verse in an obscure Old Testament book, I want to give you a a last statement which I've written down because I really want this to be from my heart, but I want this to be the right words as well. So this is my kind of last statement on this series. I think we'll talk about this verse a lot over this next year. But this is the end of this series and I want to ask you this. May we commit to a revolution this year by living out these four virtues. May we be people who sow the seed of God's word. 
that attempt to introduce God in some way into the life of every individual we regularly encounter. Can I just say, I want to encourage you to come Tuesday night. Not only are you going to see Louis Giglio live via via DVD, but I'm also going to tell a few stories at the start about what God is doing here in the church. And I'm going to show you a video which has totally rocked my world, just a three-minute video, which will show you what happens when you begin to sow in the lives of others. And I think it will absolutely open your minds as to what your life can be about. So that's a pretty big push to try and get you here Tuesday night, isn't it? But I basically, I, I, I really believe it. And as, as Louis Giglio talks about hope, often the challenge for us in this whole thing of sowing is that we give up hope. So I really want to encourage you to come Tuesday night. But may we be people who sow God's seed to attempt to introduce God in some way into the life of every individual we encounter. May we be people who live in the fruit of God's unfailing love for us. May we experience the Father's grace and love Him Father's embrace and love him not because we've studied him but because we've touched him in response to his touch. May we be people who break up every area of unplowed or fallow ground in our hearts so that we are good soil for the seed of God's word. And may we seek him becoming totally and utterly obsessed with the pursuit of God as we ask ourselves the question not how or how long but how deep. I want to be someone like that this year, do you? Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you for your just amazing love to us. God, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sought us. You are obsessed with seeking us out. It says that the Son of Man comes to seek and save that was lost. These are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. It's the same word. When you sought lost people, when you said, I seek worshippers, it's the same word. You're utterly, completely obsessed with seeking us out. Lord, I pray that we would be like that as well. God, I pray that this year we would be sowers. I pray this year we would reap the fruit of unfailing love, that we would break up our unplowed ground. Lord, help us not get bitter or hard. And God, help us. Help us to keep seeking you. Help us to strap ourselves to a frame that takes us deeper into your presence, I pray. And Lord, I pray in the process of that, that we would see and experience such amazing blessing and breakthrough that it literally would take our breath away. And I pray that in and through the name of Jesus. Amen.